From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker and editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And joining me today is Paul Krozak, CQ's senior reporter on all budget and appropriations matters. Thanks for being here again, Paul. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So President Trump is expected to release at least part of his fiscal 2020 budget request the week of March 11. The budget was due by statute in early February, but it's been delayed by the recent government shutdown. Of course, we at CQ are eagerly awaiting the details, and we don't know what they are yet. But Paul, we do know a bit about the administration's overall approach to spending as they try to abide by some pretty stringent spending caps for the coming year. Sketch out for us what their overall game plan seems to be. The White House is taking a different approach this year. Uh, The previous budgets, the White House proposed raising the defense cap, spending more on defense than allowed under the discretionary spending cap for defense, but it proposed spending less on non-defense than the cap allowed. So that was the previous strategy. The new strategy is going to be to comply with the caps, to keep defense spending. Comply comply on paper. What they're going to propose is they're going to ask for defense spending and non-defense spending at the cap levels, but then they're going to ask for an additional $174 billion for defense in war funds or overseas contingency operations. So yes, that is an evasion of the caps, and you would end up with $750 billion for defense, but $174 billion of it would be in war funding, which is outside the constraints of the Yes. In other words, by sticking it into a war fund, which is supposed to be for Iraq and Afghanistan and Syria, they evade the cap because war funds are exempt from the spending limit, right? That's right. So they're still able to boost defense and at the same time claiming they're abiding by the defense cap simply by shifting the money from the regular defense budget into the war account. That's right. Which, of course, Democrats call a gimmick. Well, yes. And, um, I mean, you know, clearly Democrats are not going to go along with this. But, I mean, the interesting thing is that the White House has changed its strategy in the way, in terms of the way that it presents this. Right. This is the first time the White House is asking to stay within the constraints of both caps. And, of course, staying within the constraints is extra tough for this coming fiscal year because doing that would actually require a cut of about 10% in all discretionary spending, right? That's right. That amounts to about $126 billion that lawmakers would have to cut, find places to cut through the budget, uh, and that won't go over well, I'm I'm thinking. No, and, I mean, it's very unlikely to happen. Um, Right. We've had three budget deals in the past that, that raised the spending caps two years at a time, raise defense, raise non-defense. Um, I mean, there. on the one hand, there is widespread expectation that there will be another budget agreement to raise both the defense and non-defense caps. The um, Senate and House leaders, Republicans and Democrats in most cases, all favor a budget deal. Um, but it, the White House is saying they are opposed to raising the caps. Now, I mean, 
some people are skeptical about whether they are really opposed for the long haul. Um, Simply because they may not have a choice in the end, right? Right. Democrats are not going to go along with this, and even Republicans are ultimately not going to go along with this idea of sticking with this very low non-defense cap. I mean, Republicans ultimately are not going to go along with that either in the Senate. Yeah. Ultimately. And we should say these spending caps we're talking about were imposed as part of this deficit reduction law that was enacted in 2011 that imposed these caps all through these all through the years since uh, and for the two fiscal com- fiscal years to come as well. And that's what we've been living under, are these stringent caps that we have to keep abiding by, uh, even though Congress occasionally raises the caps, as they'll probably do again. But we also have some history here, Paul, and, and if the administration is coming back saying we need to abide by these caps on non-defense, it's going to require something like $50, $55 billion in cuts to non-defense programs. They tried that last year, and all of those cuts were basically rejected, right? That's right. That's right. In fact, Congress has never abided by these spending caps. I mean, Congress has always raised these spending caps. And refresh our memories to what the administration was trying to cut in these non-defense programs. And certainly uh, environmental programs, uh, the State Department took a beating, EPA for sure took a beating about by a third, right. um, and a variety of other, some, some education programs, I think. Uh, there were a variety of programs that would have taken a beating under Trump's budget last year, which, right. which, and last year Congress was controlled by Republicans, but they rejected the cuts too. Right. So these are, these are politically unpalatable, really, for both parties in Congress. So the expectation would be they're going to, Trump will try that again and fail again on that, right? Well, that's that's clear. Um, what's unclear is how this unfolds. There are a number of different possibilities, um, and you know, what one possibility is that Democrats could come back and say, "Okay, you want to stick to the caps, but you want a lot of extra money for defense through emergency funding." Well, okay, we want a lot of extra non-defense right. through emergency funding. That would be one possible comeback. And that's been their pitch have. in recent years, is that any increase in defense should come with an equal increase for non-defense programs. Right. They've always had some kind of parity where they've had equal increases in both, and it's clear that Democrats will insist on parity again. Which so, makes these spending talks really complicated and hard to, to come up with a new bipartisan deal. Right. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, these budget deals that raise the caps, they always come really after the fiscal year has begun. They come, you know, In other words, several months after the fiscal year has, has ended. Meaning months late. Right. So the fiscal year ends September 30, um, and then the next fiscal year begins. And so, you know, the soonest we probably would see a caps deal would be at the end of the year, maybe, maybe in September. Um, maybe even after the fiscal year ends. So, I mean, most likely it's going to be a while. But, you know, the whole process has been delayed because the president's budget has been delayed. So that'll be coming out. And then there's probably not going to be any action right away on figuring out what new cap levels might be because Republicans, at least for a while, are going to want to, you know, not defy what the president has asked for, for a while at Mm -hmm. least. So 
the process really has been delayed, and I could foresee a year where very little gets done in public. A lot of what happens with appropriations may be happening behind the scenes where appropriators are starting to put bills together without any definite sort of um, limits. Yeah. Uh, and of course, they can just do another stopgap, so-called continuing resolution in the fall to simply extend current funding if they don't have a, a new bills ready to go yet. But there is one thing that might be compelling here that might force them to take some action and get something going, which is the debt limit. Tell us what the status of the debt limit problem is. Right. Well, so the debt limit suspension, um, so that that expired on March 1st. So um, the debt limit reset at a little over uh, $22 trillion, uh, total total debt. Right. So um, we had no debt limit for about a year now, and that, but that now that ended. Debt limit is back right. in place. So all of a sudden, they're going to have to raise the debt limit or suspend it again. Right. So the Treasury has started what are called extraordinary measures, which are basically uh, bookkeeping maneuvers, which, which allow the Treasury to keep the debt under the limit. So they can keep borrowing to pay bills. Right, right. And so estimates are that these measures would last until maybe maybe the end of August, uh, maybe into September. Um, it, it's unclear. So that's really the, the, the deadline for raising the debt limit. So that so means the, there is some kind of showdown this fall over raising the debt limit because something will have to be done on that. Right. And Congress doesn't like to have to do it. But they will. Right. And because Congress doesn't like to vote on, the de on a debt limit increase, um, in the past, these debt limit increases or suspensions have been attached to a budget deal. They try to put together a big deal which has things that appeal to lawmakers, causing lawmakers to vote for the deal even though they don't like certain parts of it. And that suggests there's an opportunity sometime this fall to combine a debt limit increase with some kind of deal raising spending caps? That's right. And also adding some other things to that deal, perhaps, such as um, extending uh, tax breaks, specialized tax breaks, and other legislation that, that uh, lawmakers want to get passed. And they're also seeking some more money for disaster relief for victims of hurricanes and wildfires that are still kicking around that they still haven't gotten to. Right, and that could be attached to that deal, um, or or that could move separately ahead of time. Right, so a lot of combinations in play, but but the only thing that's going to force a vote is the, is is when the debt limit needs to be raised. It seems to me. Right, right, and that would suggest that they get a deal sometime in the uh, early fall time frame, September area. Okay. And then complicating a deal further is the state of partisan relations right now <laughs> uh, at a time when Trump has just declared an emergency to build his border wall. No one in Congress is all that happy about that, and now we're having vicious fights over whether to nullify the emergency declaration. Now, that, none of that's going to help get a deal on spending. Right. I mean, uh, true. But I mean, if there's one thing we know about President Trump, um, he likes to fight. Um, he's continuing to fight on the, the sure. border, right. um, the wall, the fence. 
Um, and so that certainly will continue, and that will be part of uh, budget deal negotiations as well. But I would think for Democrats, it's going to be a tougher pill to swallow to cooperate with the administration on spending priorities after when they know the president is trying to divert money they already approved for other things into his border wall, and he could try to divert even more later. So there, the, I would seem to me the risk is some kind of breakdown in trust here on <laughs> can we cooperate on spending if, if, if some of the spending then gets diverted to what the president wants at a future time. Right, right? yeah, it makes it more difficult. So that's going to be an extra challenge, I think, this year as they try to as they try to reach a spending deal. Uh, what other th- words of wisdom, Paul, can you share on on any factors in play that might shape lawmakers' thinking here as to how to get a deal in place or or how much of an increase in spending might be doable? Do we have any sense? Um, I think you had interviewed the chairman of the House Budget Committee last week. Right. John Yarmouth, uh, Kentucky Democrat chairman of the House Budget Committee, um, said that in terms of the House budget resolution, which he is working on, um, he's looking at a modest increase in discretionary spending in that budget resolution, something maybe a little bit above the, the rate of inflation. Um, uh, Which would be a lot different than the deep cuts that Trump would have, to, would tr- Trump would try to impose. Right, right. It would be increase ab- above the rate of inflation as opposed to a hundred and twenty-six billion dollar of cuts. Cut yeah. If if you went back down to the right. defense and non-defense caps, um, but Yarmouth also acknowledges that it's going to be very hard to get Democrats' agreement in the House on this budget resolution because you have divisions within the Democratic caucus. You have uh, you have members more to the left who would like to spend a lot more money um, and raise taxes more. And then you have more moderate members within the caucus who do not want to spend as much and are more concerned about the deficit, who do not necessarily want to raise taxes a lot. So it's going to be a real challenge to put a budget resolution together that gets everybody on the same page. But I think one of the reasons they're going to work hard on that is because this budget resolution could become sort of a model for what House Democrats would like to see in a cap-raising deal. Okay. So there will be a lot to chew on once this budget gets released uh, probably next week. And CQ will be covering it all for you. My thanks again to Paul Krozak, our own budget guru, for joining me. Thanks, Paul. Thanks very much. And thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and rate us on iTunes or find us on Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more budget news, you can subscribe to CQ.com or visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter. The handle is at CQNow or at RollCall. See you next week.